welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Ice, ice, baby. Who let the dogs out? Take on me. Who doesn't love one-hit wonders? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. Frank, Adam, Chris, and Scott here. Team Facts is back today, and we're making a team of the best one-hit wonders in fantasy baseball since the 2000 season. Chris, our resident music man, what's your favorite one-hit wonder song, Chris? So it, I guess it depends on how you define the term because like technically Jimi Hendrix, uh, Purple Haze was his only hit. Oh, but gosh. it's probably not <laughs> fair to refer to Jimi Hendrix as a one-hit wonder. No, I asked the Chris wrong person. Chris is going to do this with the baseball players too. You'll see. So I would say my favorite one-hit wonder, Stacy's Mom is a great song. I don't know if the if the the message has aged all that well, but you know, I just Shouts to Fountains of Wayne, RIP to Adam Schlesinger. Uh, great band, great song. Uh, also wrote a lot of the music for the, the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is one of my favorite shows. So I'll, I'll go with, uh, with Stacy's Mom. Stacy's Mom is a great one. I cannot dispute that. Uh, Adam is back. Adam, give me a player from 2019 who might turn out to be a one-hit wonder in fantasy baseball. I'm going to say No Rain by Blind Melon. Ooh, that's a great song. That is a great song. It's the best one-hit wonder ever. Oh, that is a really good pull. I'm, I'm writing that great, down. Great video, great song. Yeah. Oh, is it one of those songs that song. I know, but I just don't know because, yeah. like, based on the name? All right, so i got to go back and listen to that one. No Rain. Yeah, it's, well, it's, one, of the best song, it's one of the best songs of the 90s. And yeah. one year for Halloween, I wanted to be... The lead singer of Blind Melon, my roommate, would have been the B-girl, but we couldn't really pull it off. Um, You should have been the B-girl. I could have been the B-girl, sure. There's always time. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond is my one-hit wonder. Just kind of feel like, uh, I kind of feel like we felt very positively about Harrison Bader this time last year. Edmond, 25, not old, but kind kind of a late bloomer, maybe. And... Yeah, ground ball hitter, not a lot of power, was pretty bad for his first 45 games, was outstanding for his last 47 games. It's not like he was consistent all year. Yeah, I'm just not, yeah, I'm not saying I'm avoiding Tommy Edmond, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he stinks. Well, I'm happy you brought him up. We just deep dove, deep, we did a deep dive, we deep dove, we dove deep on Tommy Edmond yesterday. Um, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I feel like he's a bit overvalued. Uh, over the past month, going for the same price as players like Carlos Correa and Kevin Biggio, according to NFBC auction value. So uh, that was something that stood out to me. Scott is here as well. Scott, who's a one-hit wonder, a potential one-hit wonder from last season uh, for fantasy baseball coming up this year? Maybe someone that you might be avoiding. No, no you know I'm high he on believes in all of potential one-hit wonders. But what I'm not so high on is Eduardo Rodriguez for a few different reasons. Um, but it, it all comes down to, I just don't think he's as good as he finished last year. I just don't think he's really a standout pitcher. So yeah, he'd be my choice. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez finally managed to stay healthy last year. 
Um, and as a result, was able to he was more of an accumulator than anything. Like the second half numbers on the surface look good, but when you dive a little bit deeper, uh, his second half underlying metrics were very similar to his first half. It just seems like he got a little bit lucky there. So uh, I'm with you. I'm not really in on Eduardo Rodriguez uh, for this upcoming season. Chris, I, I've given the other two guys an opportunity to give us a player that might be a one-hit wonder from last season. Do you have anyone in mind? Uh, the obvious one that comes to mind is Liam Hendricks. We have basically an 80-inning sample of him being an above-average major league pitcher. He was pretty mediocre to bad for pretty much his entire career before that. Yes, the velocity did jump, and if he sustains that velocity gain, uh, there is every reason to believe that he can uh, repeat or at least be a, a good closer. But velocity gains don't always stick, especially for guys in their 30s, especially for guys with that kind of track record. Uh, so I, I think he's a, a pretty obvious call. He's someone that I haven't drafted at all, and I they haven't really ever considered it. Um, I'll also throw Jorge Soler out there. I don't feel as strongly about that, but it was such an increase in, uh, or such a decrease in strikeout rate that it just, it feels, you know, like we saw with Giancarlo Stanton in 2017, where he couldn't sustain those gains that he made. Jorge Soler is someone who, you know, I've always liked the potential, but he hasn't really been fantasy relevant ever before last season. Oof. Mm. Them Feels some, like we're picking on Scott here. Them some fighting words with Scott. <laughs> well, when I'm so when I'm so far in on all the potential one-hit wonders, that's bound to happen. But I do think it's interesting that Chris is using Giancarlo Stanton as an example of Jorge Soler's <laughs> downside, and I have used Giancarlo Stanton as an example of Jorge Soler's upside. And we're living in a topsy-turvy world, clearly. Well, I mean. Frank, you have Jorge Soler ranked higher than Giancarlo Stanton, right? That is correct. Here we go. No, I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> yeah, we got, I, we got too look, much ground all, to cover All here I will today. say is yes. Uh, the best case scenario could look something like uh, Giancarlo Stanton's 2017 season. However, for as much of an outlier as that was for Giancarlo Stanton, it's not even close to the level of outlier last season was for Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler has never been able to stay healthy, has never hit in the majors. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I have no... Much, much shorter career so far. It's not really I mean, a fair... He's, he's not that... Person. It's not that short of a career. He was... Like, last year was his fourth year in the majors. He's got 1,800 plate appearances. What do you think... Stanton right, because he hasn't been able to stay healthy and well, he hasn't been good enough to be an everyday player. Like, yeah, that stuff I mean, look, matters. He, he, was, he was pretty... He was solid in 2018. Solid. 123 OPS plus, 8, 820 OPS. Uh, you know, All right. it wasn't that much. But no, this right. is... What? What? I'm, I'm defending Jorge No, I hear you. I just, we got to go, man. We got okay. a lot of stuff to talk about here. All right. If a Fantasy Baseball Today podcast happens and Chris doesn't mention Giancarlo Stanton... Also... Did it really 61. happen? Come on, guys. <laughs> let's, like, let's, be, let's be real. He's been in the majors for six years. No more, no more Giancarlo Stanton. We've got to move on, as Scott mentioned. I do want to remind everyone that we will be doing a live podcast video stream on the Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook page tomorrow night. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, we're recording on Tuesday. We'll be doing that Wednesday night, April 29th at 8 p.m. So be sure to join us. Grab your dinner, bring a beer, whatever you want to do. 
uh, get away from the kids, the wife, whatever. Come join us and watch Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll have that uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, just quickly before we get into the all one-hit wonder team, uh, just shout out to Trey Mancini. He wrote an article for the Players' Tribune earlier today that was released. We'll likely miss the entire 2020 season as he undergoes chemotherapy for stage three colon cancer. So I know a lot of people have been sending in questions regarding Trey Mancini's fantasy value. Obviously, this goes beyond fantasy baseball. So we're wishing well for Trey Mancini and you know his entire family and hope that he bounces back strong and returns back to the, uh, the 2019 form uh, eventually, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen here uh, in 2020. So good luck to Trey Mancini. The all one-hit wonder team. So what I wanted to do with this today was every Tuesday we put together a team, we have a draft, something random, and it seems very relevant because even to this day, there are going to be players that played last season that are going to turn out to be one-hit wonders. And the same thing the past couple of seasons, and we're going to talk about some of those players. So we're going to create a head-to-head points roster, one catcher, three outfielders, one utility, five starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and we're basically just going to jump around here. Another one-hit wonder, by the way, jump around. uh, And we'll figure out our our positions. So uh, let's start off at catcher. Can I I just make a few points off the top here? Yep. Four points I want to make, if I may. So this is beginning of the year. We have time for four points, Mr. Hurry Along? Well, at least this is on the subject of the podcast. You couldn't have cut it down to three? Giancarlo Stanton, (laughs) one-hit wonder, by the way. 2000, this wasn't by design, but it just so happens to be the year I started playing fantasy baseball. And I think I've played longer than than any of us. So it kind of feels like an episode of This Is Your Life regarding my fantasy baseball life. Uh, This exercise was done largely top of mind because it's it's really hard to 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 run some kind of search that picks out one hit wonders. Chris and I were trying yesterday using ERA plus, I think, for pitchers and OPS plus for hitters. Uh, And the reason we focused on those two stats was because during the course of the past 20 years, statistical expectations have changed. And, and not just all in one direction. It's gone back and forth as to what's considered a good season for both a pitcher and a hitter. So raw numbers don't necessarily work as well for this exercise as as ones that uh, gauge uh, how someone's production would translate from ear to ear, like OPS plus and ERA plus would. And then the last point is that Part of the difficulty with this exercise is distinguishing the true one-hit wonders from just guys who had a really good career season that stands out in our memory more than the rest of his career did. And there's going to be some debate there for a lot of these players who comes up, who, uh, who come up because I think maybe the first name that comes to mind, just to use an example from pre-2000, Brady Anderson, right, stands out as a one-hit wonder. And yet he's a three-time All-Star. He had a pretty good career overall. So does he qualify truly as a one-hit wonder or not? I think it's debatable, but I'm I'm trying to focus on the guys who legitimately just had that one season of relevance and then disappeared as quickly as they appeared. Yeah, and that's part of the discussion that we'll just kind of go around. It'll be a little 
roundtable talk here uh, about whether or not that player qualifies as a one-hit wonder. So let's start off at the catcher position. Uh, some interesting names here, the ones that we kind of narrowed it down to, and we can talk this out. Paul LaDuca for the Dodgers in 2001, 25 home runs, 917 OPS. Never had more than 13 homers or higher than a 783 OPS again. Carlos Ruiz for the Phillies in 2012, 325 batting average, a 935 OPS. Alex Avila for the Tigers in 2011, kind of resurfaced again uh, in 2017, but he did hit in that 2011 season, 295, 19 home runs. He finished as the catcher one in fantasy baseball that season. Devin Mezzarocco, another one here, just hasn't been able to stay healthy, poor guy, but seemed like we were always kind of chasing that 2014 season, 25 homers and 80 ribbies from the catcher position. He finishes the fourth best catcher in 2014. So guys, what do you think? Round table discussion. Oh, so I think you've got, I think it's, it's two choices. I think it's either Devin Mesoraco or Paul Aduka, um, which is weird because both are, I think more high profile players than either of the other two guys. And, Paula Duke in particular was a was kind of an everyday catcher for a pretty long time, but a lot of it was coasting on that one season. And um, he's also a pretty notorious player for his involvement in the Mitchell Report. Um, but man, Devin Mesoraco is one that really sticks with me. That tw- that 2014 season, I-, I probably kept chasing it until at least 2017. Yeah, I feel like Paul LaDuca of this group, he's the most famous example. Like if 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 just recalling somebody who's played fantasy baseball since 2000 was just recalling names of catchers who came out of nowhere and just had one great season. LaDuca might be the first one they think of. I know because it's the first one I thought of. But he was a four-time All-Star. I mean, like you said, I, yeah, he kind of coasted on that one season. But it's not like he was... It's not like he was a nobody in fantasy after that. He was just kind of generic catcher guy uh, when Mesoraco completely disappeared, not through any fault of his own. But I'd, I'd lean more toward Mesoraco. I, I might even rank Avila over Laduca if we're if we're just doing, you know, if we're just talking flash in the pan because he he was kind of Mesoraco after Meser or I guess before Mesoraco, three years before. Adam, so I th- I thought Avila would be the answer. I, maybe the fact that Avila had a pretty good 2017 season, as you mentioned, eliminates him. But I guess if you just want to be technical, Paulo Duca had Paulo Duca has a 7.46 career OPS. Alex Avila 7.44. So they both had very similar careers as hitters. And I get Laduca's year was better than Avila's, but not that much better. I don't know. Uh, I, they they're pretty much a tie for me. Mezzarocco was injury related. It, like, he could have been good, but he never could stay healthy. Whereas these guys were just not good hitters and they had a one great year. Oh, so so that's, that's why I would not go Mezzarocco. That's an angle that I didn't know we were going to consider, but it, it's fair. It's fair. You can make your own criteria. So you're, you're kind of saying, you're kind of introducing this what if scenario for Mezzarocco and saying, well, it's not his fault. Kind of. Let me give you four points about. My criteria. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess just, so, Scott. There, yeah, like, like what? What was more surprising? I, I don't think it was a huge shock that Mesoraco had a had a big year, right? No, he was the top catcher prospect. I mean, right. we were. Um, it was more surprising from Avila. It was more surprising from Laduca. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of why I leaned toward them. 
So who would you take, Frank? Because I think we're I think as a group we're leaning Mesoraco, but you you might have you might uh, create a tie here if you're not. Uh, I was leaning Mesoraco as well. It's Ooh, it was injury related, it but it was it was literally just one season. So Laduca did have some other years where he kind of sustained some level of success. It wasn't really great. Uh, Vila had you know that 2017, which was solid. Um, I, I would probably lean Mesoraco. Okay. So I'm gonna pencil him in as our catcher there. One hit wonder, see, Devin Mesoraco. Uh, I can see I'm not needed on this show anymore. I don't know, Adam. You're actually leading our first base analysis, so. Surprise to you. Oh, great, great. <laughs> so first base, uh, you know, I mentioned here at the top that, you know, some players that we're going to talk about are, you know, as recent as two years ago. And Jesus Aguilar. I mean, the book is not written on Jesus Aguilar yet, but 2018, he was the seventh best first baseman, 35 homers, 108 ribbies. And last year came crashing down to earth. He now finds himself with the Miami Marlins. You don't know if he's going to play every day. Jesus Aguilar... Seems like a pretty fair bet. There's also uh, Nick Johnson, his 2006 season, uh, scored 100 runs. He had a 17% walk rate that year. Another one just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Rubio Durazo for the Oakland A's 2004. Admittedly, some of these players are like before my time, so you guys can chime in. Uh, Carlos Pena, 2007, hit 282 with 46 home runs. He had some other big seasons, but the batting average for him really stood out that year. Uh, and then some other names. Mike Jacobs. Justin Smoke, you know, still a chance here with the Brewers. Logan Morrison uh, hit 38 home runs in 2017. Chris Colabello, how about that name? He only played 101 games in 2015, but hit 321. Adam, first base, what are you thinking? I don't know. This is impossible. <laughs> this is really hard. I Well, did Jesus? I'm going to go Jesus Aguilar. I, I think I, that's my choice too. Yeah. It's between him and Justin Smoke for me. But Smoke, Smoke at least had these kind of like partial seasons where he was okay ish. When Jesus Aguilar, that one season, uh, which had me fooled, by the way, he was a top 10 first baseman for me heading into last year. It mm -hmm. just was, it's just such an isolated event. Uh, some of the more historic examples like Rubiel Durazo, uh, Nick Johnson. Like there, it, it was kind of similar to Smoke, where there there were hints leading up to the big season, mm -hmm. and they just finally had that one season where they put it all together. I don't think they're bad choices, but you know, Logan Morrison would be in that same vein. I think uh, the the context of this exercise, Jesus Aguilar, seems like the best choice, assuming, of course, that he doesn't he doesn't go on to big things from here. Yeah, and for Chris Colabello, I just don't think he had enough longevity for that yeah, no. season. He only played 101 games. Definitely an interesting name. I'm happy you brought that name up. But uh, Chris, Jesus Aguilar, now a member of your Miami Marlins, does he get your vote as the one-hit wonder at first base? Uh, for me, I would actually go with Logan Morrison. He was such a big prospect. He was so hyped. Um, you know, was kind of viewed as part of the, the future for the Marlins and just... Man, him, him, and uh, him, and Jeremy Hermida are two guys for for the Marlins who just will be forever seared into my brain because of the disappointment that they brought. But you know, all of a sudden, at 29 years old, eight years into his career, he has this massive 38 homer season. Um, I would say Logan Morrison. 
Well, the book isn't written yet on Logan Morrison. Didn't he say in the offseason, like during spring training, that he could still perform like an all-star level player if he's just given the opportunity? So, hey. He said a lot of things. Don't Logan write... Morrison famously said many things throughout his career. Don't write him off yet, Chris. Uh, uh, it sounds yeah, like... I'm I'm good with it. Scott's in on Aguilar. It sounds like Adam's in on Aguilar. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna make it final. I'm going to go with Jesus Aguilar. Someone who burned me last year, too. I had him in a few places. Um, just, gosh, it was, it was awful. It didn't work out for Jesus Aguilar. Second base. Now, this is one where, I don't know, we might have to lean on the expertise of Scott here because Junior Spivey of the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2002 hit 301 with 103 runs scored. I think I was in like seventh grade at that point. Uh, Freddie Sanchez, <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates, 2006, hit 344 with 85 runs scored. Scott, who's getting the nod here? Junior Spivey versus Freddie Sanchez. Worth noting that Freddie Sanchez also had 53 doubles that year. He yes. 344. Oh We're not seeing a lot of home runs from this group. Um, and I, I do want to mention Mark Loretta came up for that year he had with the Padres, though he had. A pretty good year right next to that. So we we took him off the list. For me, it's Junior Spivey. And I was probably the only one playing fantasy baseball in 2002. But I have to tell you, I was obsessed with Junior Spivey when he came up and was putting up these kind of numbers. I was like trying to come up with nicknames for him, thinking about making T-shirts that said like Poison Spivey or something like that. I (laughs) I was interviewing random classmates about how they felt about different nicknames I was thinking for 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 Junior Spivey and he just it, it went nowhere after that like it was such it seemed like such a multifaceted skill set he had 34 doubles 16 homers 11 steals 103 runs hit 301 like it was hard to find weaknesses in that skill set and he had this really cool name and he was performing well for my fantasy team and then it just it just never went anywhere. So I'm going with Junior Spivey. Junior yeah, Spivey. I wanted to nominate someone else, if that's okay. No, I've also got a, another nominee. Let's okay. go. Let's hear him. Just thinking about how much we bought into it. Well, some people did. I don't even remember if I did or not. Chris Taylor. How about Chris Taylor? That was yeah. that was an interesting one. I saw I saw the name last night, and I thought about adding Chris Taylor. But uh, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I mean, he was another one of those like Max Muncie type experimental players that the Dodgers just took on and kind of like randomly made really good. And his 2017 hit 288, 850 OPS, 21 home runs, and 17 steals. I don't think that that's a bad one. That's a fair right one. But he's following up a 21 homer season with a 17 homer season. Right. Right. It just, it, he just felt like he was a huge difference maker. Yeah. It, in 2000, what was it, 17? And then 18 and 19, he's just been like a guy that you pretty much can't use. Because he doesn't play every day. And what about Rudnett Odor? Did he have... No, he's had multiple seasons. Yeah, Uh, I guess he did. 15 and 16. But one similar to Rudnett Odor. How about Jerks and Profar's 2018 season? Uh, He did hit 20 homers last year and and the year before, but he was barely... I don't even think he was fantasy relevant last year outside of 15. That's like what I was saying about Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess part of it was that neither in their moment, seemed particularly high-end. They both seemed definitely starter-worthy. Um, and then, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I don't think they're as good as the nominations we have here, personally. Is, is, are those your actual votes, or did you just want to talk about them? No, I just wanted to throw just them out there, up. and I want to throw one more out there since we're doing this fantasy style. Bill Miller did play Bill Miller. Mueller? It's Miller, right? Miller. Miller. Bill Miller. Uh, I have down did for third play base, but that's 10 games. He was fantasy. He was second base eligible in 2003 <laughs> when he hit 326 with a 938 OPS, uh, 19 homers, 85 RBI, nearly doubled his career high in home runs, uh, more than 23, 23 more RBI than any other season. Uh, We're going to get to him at third base. That, why, are you, why are you jumping ahead here? Because he might not win it at third base. We could lock oh. him in. This is what I Chris think, does. He, he tries to manipulate position eligibility. Well, I just, it's not manipulating eligibility. He was eligible at second base. I am, I, am, I am game for talking about Bill Miller, but there's a time and a place. There's, yes. a, better, there's a better third baseman. We're not there getting is a Bill better Miller third baseman, but he might be my, my utility player. Nah. And I think Junior Spivey is a better choice here anyway. So there. All right, Scott, I'm going to make you the deciding factor because you were way more into fantasy baseball than I think any of us in the year 2002. So uh, I trust that your belief in Junior Spivey is higher than any of the Freddie Sanchez, the Chris Taylors, uh, the Bill Millers, who we're going to get to later on as well. Shortstop. we got a few more names here at shortstop. Bill Hall, Milwaukee Brewers, 2006, hit 35 home runs. That season never hit more than 18 after that. Uh, Jason Bartlett. I mean, this is, I think Jason Bartlett takes the cake for me. I mean, 2009, 14 home runs, 30 steals, a 320 batting average. Uh, he had some other seasons where like he stole some bases, but never one where he put it all together like that. Zach Cozart uh, in 2017, 297 batting average, 24 home runs. He was an all-star. Everth Cabrera. 2013 with the Padres at 37 steals in just 95 games. So if you picked him up in a Roto League, definitely a difference maker. And then Marwin Gonzalez with the Houston Astros just a couple of seasons ago, 2017, hit 303 with 23 home runs. Um, Chris, what do you think about this group? Bill Hall, 2006, Jason Bartlett, Zach Cozart, Everth Cabrera, Marwin Gonzalez. I'm... I'm upset that Scott left out what I think is the best pick for shortstop. Oh, did I? Go we ahead. talked about it. Rich Aurelia. Oh, His 2001 sorry. season, he led the majors in hits, hit 37 home runs, drove in 97. I was going, he scored 114 runs and hit 324. He was a fantasy stud that year. And I was going through, uh, those early 2000s Dodgers teams were just incredibly weird. And they had so many guys whose careers were just, bolstered by hitting near Barry Bonds. His gravitational pull was so great that he won Jeff Kent an, RB, uh, an MVP. And uh, yeah, Richard really is 2001. I think that's the shortstop season. Nine Long career, uh, 1,600 career hits, but 941 OPS that year. Never had a full season higher than 800 otherwise. Yeah, but look what he did in his first year, 1,400 OPS. <laughs> in, nine, in nine games. <laughs> It, it's one of those, like, it was clearly Rich Aurelia's best season by far. And it, it put him in rare company for players of any kind who've hit 30-plus home runs in that stadium since it opened. But Rich Aurelia had several fantasy-relevant seasons. So is it is it just a really great career year, or is he really just a one-hit wonder? That's And it was, like, twice so as much good better, across the board. I, I, like basically I, I, every I, counting stack. 
it's kind of a Brady Anderson situation where I think it's I think it's debatable. No, nah, I, I think Richard really is the the runaway choice. Maybe Bill Hall is the other one, just because that season was so far out from what he did before. But I just well, think Richard really's season was better. You know who actually had the big biggest difference in terms of OPS plus in the season we're referring to here? It was 132. In his next best season, it was 99. And and that's Jason Bartlett who. Who uh, Frank mentioned Thank Bill you, Hall? Scott. Surprisingly, I mean Bill Hall. I I love the reference to Bill Hall because that thirty-five homer season just clearly stands out. But in terms of OPS plus, one twenty-five that year versus one seventeen the year before, very close. And then Zach Cozart has a huge difference in OPS plus too, one forty in the career season, which was actually uh, just just behind Rich Aurelia's in that career season. A 140 yeah. for Cozart in that career season. Next closest is 116, or actually for a full season, 108. 108. Yeah, and, and even in the 108 was only 53 games. So, like a real full season is probably 92 for Zach Cozart OPS plus compared to 140 in his best season. That was actually probably going to be my vote, but I will lean Rich Aurelia because you have that long of a career, you better have a few fantasy relevant seasons. And that year was just ridiculous. Good job, Chris. But runner up for me is Zach Cozart. Uh, we seem to be just anti I, I think I'm going to go Cozart here. He's anti-Richarelia because he forgot to add him to the list. <laughs> no, I, I really, I just, I had him here. I was just writing a bunch of names. It was, it was one of those situations where you have a tiny corner of the paper picked out where you plan to take notes, and it just, the amount of notes you take dramatically exceeds the space you have to work with. So I was like squeezing names together, and I just wrote his name too small. That was his only All-Star season, by the way. Team Name Tuesday, keeping it Aurelia. Yeah. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Thank I mean, you, Frank. Come on, yeah. Chris. No, it, it's it's a team name. Rich Aurelia <laughs> led Tuesday. Rich Aurelia also led Tuesday. the league in hits 206, uh, 2000 hits. That would have been pretty good. 206 hits in that 2001 season. Only season as an all-star. Finished 12th in MVP voting. Silver Slugger. I think we have to go with Rich Aurelia just because we're getting bullied here, Scott. My vote would have been for Jason Bartlett. Sounds like you wanted Zach Cozart, but... If there's two others that like one player, we'll go with Rich Aurelia. So he's the the winner for shortstop, the one-hit wonder team. Third base, we've already referenced the name. Bill Miller, Boston Red Sox, 2003, 326 batting average, led the league, 19 home runs, 85 ribbies. Chase Headley, San Diego Padres, 2012, 286 batting average, 31 homers, 115 RBI, led the league, 95 runs scored. Josh Harrison in 2014 had a solid all-around year. And then Morgan Ensberg, 2005, 283 with 36 home runs. Adam, third base. I know you have a lot of love for Chase Headley, former Yankee. Is that where you're going? I think it's Headley. <laughs> I laughed when I heard the name said. I, I think it's him. Because then he goes to the Yankees. The expectations are sky high. From a fantasy standpoint, Chase Headley became a massive bust. And one of the worst Cashman signings. Yeah, I, I mean, think, his, I would say Headley. 31 home runs in that year. His next highest was 14. Now, he did have double-digit home runs in, what was that, eight seasons? But, I mean, it was he was barely fantasy relevant. His second-highest home run total was 14. His second-highest RBI total, 64. Uh, never had more than 80 runs. Never hit better than uh, 273 except for one partial season. I just that was basically the only year Chase Headley mattered for fantasy, and he was a stud. 115 RBIs. Gee, yeah. yeah. I, I I mean I like the Bill 
Miller reference because he went from being this nobody with the Giants to winning a batting title with a career high in home runs with the Red Sox that one year. But Chase Headley was like MVP caliber that one season. And what really tops it off for me is like, it's one of the greatest fake outs of all time because he was this huge prospect who we keep waiting and waiting and waiting to break out. He does finally, everybody's fully on board. And then he goes back to being the same boring guy he was before that breakout. So I think we're unanimous here on Chase Headley. Wow. Honorable mention for Morgan Ensberg though, because he was fourth in MVP voting in 2005, never made an all-star game. Otherwise that, that one is a, that's a pretty big one too. Just out of nowhere at age 24. Gosh, Chase Headley, man, finished fifth in MVP voting that season in 2012. Won a gold glove, a silver slugger, then goes to the Yankees of all places. Great park to hit in, just becomes a jag. Uh, Chase Headley, you are a one-hit wonder at the third base position. Outfield, well, we're going to have to somewhat condense this because we could go days talking about outfielders, but uh, a few names that stood out. Carlos Quentin, someone that I could never quit. You guys already know that. I, I knew I was going to, if we were doing this draft style, my first pick was going to be Carlos Quentin just to steal it from Frank. I love Carlos Quentin, man. <laughs> Gary Matthews Jr. for the Texas Rangers in 2006. Ryan Ludwig, the Cardinals, 2008, 37 home runs, a 966 OPS. Mike Morris was another player I just could never quit uh, with the Nationals in 2011. 300 batting average, 31 home runs. Darren Erstad with the Angels in 2000. BJ Upton, Tampa Bay. Devil Rays, I believe, still at that point, 2007. And then you got Demetri Young with the Tigers. Mitch Hanniger with the Mariners in 2018. Can Mitch Hanniger ever get back? Well, that remains to be seen. Chris, give us your top three outfielders here. Uh, so I will go with Darren Erstad, because that season was just remarkable, uh, and it was totally out of nowhere, and also he was a punter for the University of Nebraska football team, I don't know if you guys know that. He hit 355 uh, with 25 homers, 28 steals that year, had a 240, 240 hits. Yeah. Wow. 355. That was a ridiculously good season. Uh, then I'm going to go with, and you guys seemed a little iffy when I suggested this yesterday, but I'm going to go with Mitch Hanniger in 2008. Uh, I just feel like there's such better choices. No, no, no. And, uh, (laughs) then I'm going to go with just because he's a a very, uh, I remember him being a fun player, Demetri Young, Demet Hook. Uh, so those are my choices. I could be talked out of Mitch Hanniger. Terrible Uh, out. Maybe Gary Matthews, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Dominic Brown, you missed him, Frank. Oh, I did. Going over the names. Dominic Brown, I think, is exhibit A here for one hit wonders. Kind of a Chase Headley situation where, like, oh look, he's finally breaking out with 27 homers in uh, in 2013, and I was I was all about it, man. I was calling myself the leader of the Domo Nation. Just kind of, I had this whole wordplay thing going on where he's dominating, and I was leader of the domination. All right, something like that. Anyway, do, <laughs> Dominic that's Brown. Bad. Uh, yeah, I love it. Well, Ryan Ludwig <laughs> in two thousand eight is just such a standout season. He like he was MVP caliber bat that year. Thirty seven homers, one hundred thirteen RBI, one hundred four runs scored, two ninety nine batting average. Like he was awesome. And then 
just never was again. So those are those would be one and two for me, Dominic Brown and Ryan Ludwig. And then just because it's just because it's notorious and because it got him a big contract with the Angels that uh then never amounted to anything. I'm actually gonna go with Gary Matthews third here, though I'm I could I don't be tossed out of that one. Leave. There's a lot of good choices, but Gary Matthews, three thirteen batting average, nineteen homers, forty four doubles, hundred two runs scored, three that was in two thousand six. And uh he'd be my choice. I don't know how you leave Darren Erstead off your list. Well, that was such it, a huge season. I know, but it, it gets back to the idea of was it really was that really his only good season? I understand it was an outlier season, but he had two ninety nine average, season. sixteen homers, twenty three steals one year, two ninety six average, nineteen homers, twenty steals one year. Like he wasn't just a one year flash in the pan. He did kind of disappear after that one awesome season, but he had a couple of good seasons leading up to it. I, I also, I, I don't think Don Brown's a good choice. Dom, I think Don Brown he is had, kind of the poster child for one yeah, wonders. Because he had two good months. Like, really, he only had, he had a 991 OPS in May and 884 in June. After that, he was sub 800 in every month, six, seven. Like, he wasn't good in April. He wasn't good in July. July. He wasn't good in August. Chris. He wasn't good in September. Chris. He was full the season, same guy. Full season statistic. <laughs> sure. But in his case, he was the same guy he'd always been. I remember I was working here. I had no faith in Don Brown continuing that. That was just like if Chris Shelton had had his good month in, in May instead. That was that was it was fool's gold the whole time. Uh, there was no reason to no. believe in that. So he because was a, you say you know better. He was a all the farcical, people who are fooled don't count. He was a farcical all-star mm. choice. I don't think I think you're changing the criteria here. Chris is creating right, loopholes. He's going back got? and looking at splits, monthly splits from Don Brown 2013 to try and get him off the list. Uh, I I think personally, uh, Lud, uh, Ludwig and and Don Brown have to be on the list. Adam, what do you think? I think. I like Scott, I like Scott's list personally. Um, yeah, Dominic Brown for sure. Can't go with BJ Upton because he had some really good steal seasons. Yep. Scott, what was your list again? Uh, Gary, Gary Matthews. Gary Matthews for sure. So Dominic Brown, Gary Matthews. Who was your third? Ryan Ludwig. Yeah, I I'll throw I'll throw a name out for fun. Domingo Santana. Thoughts on him? Uh, he was good last year. Yeah, he was useful last year. He really Don was, Brown he was had, useful for like the first month and then he was here awful. we go again. Well, that's, no, but he, Don, that's Don Brown. Don Brown had 20 good games that season, guys. <laughs> he had a 19 game stretch where he hit 12 home runs. <laughs> Get out of here with this Don Brown. So you're you're putting Don Brown on the list and leaving Darren Erstad off. It's ridiculous. So no one's no one's even using Carlos Quentin then. I mean, Carlos Quentin is kind of like uh, another another Darren Erstad where MVP caliber season, but he also had two or three pretty good seasons, I guess. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He had some other parts of seasons where he was solid and useful for fantasy. Uh, just going back to Domingo Santana, Adam, put some respect on Domingo Santana's name last year, 843 OPS in April and March, June. Yeah. 929. Come on. That's two months. Oh, come on. That's a he better season a, than Don Brown had. He had a bad year. Domingo Santana. Look at, look at, they couldn't even like nobody wanted to sign him after he had such a good year. <laughs> Signs like a nothing. Where is he now? Cleveland. Domingo Santana yeah, in Cleveland. Starting for Cleveland in the Grapefruit League. Going to dominate. You heard it here first, Adam. 
Okay. <laughs> oh, no, Cactus League. I keep mixing up my Cactus, cactus and Grapefruit League. League. But cactus. Domingo Santana in Arizona, going to get the job done. All as long right. as you know which one to eat and which one not to eat, <laughs> you'll be all right, Frank. <laughs> hey, man. So is every... Is everybody but Chris going brown Ludwig? I'm Matthews? playing. I'm playing the rest of this. On? I'm I'm playing the rest of this podcast under protest. I'm pulling a, a Joe Madden. Uh, yeah, I think Ludwig Brown, Gary Matthews for Darren Ursad did have some other good seasons, useful seasons. So it was it was a huge outlier, no doubt about it. But I think we're going Ludwig, it was, Don Brown, it was Gary the Matthews. Best season any player on this list had. Look, it might be the best player on this list at any position. You got your Rich Aurelia. I don't want to hear it. You did get your Rich Aurelia. It was objectively the right choice. Starting pitchers, much like outfielders, we have a large list here. So uh, I'm not even going to read off all the names, but uh, Scott, if you can somehow narrow it down to five, which five did you come up with as your one-hit wonder rotation from 2000 on? Okay, I'll, I'll go over the three that I think are most obvious, and then I'll, I'll have some debates here. At the end. So Esteban Loiza, oh yeah, for for the White Sox in 2003 was the first name I thought of. He was in Cy Young contention that year. Went 21 and nine with a 2.90 ERA, uh, one one eleven WHIP, and actually led the AL in strikeouts. So Esteban Loiza, Eric Bedard in 2007. It it oh, wasn't his only useful year. But it was a huge outlier, and uh, it got him trade. It got it got Adam Jones from the Mariners yeah. to the Orioles in a huge trade, uh, and everybody no was way. No, no way. you can do better. You can do better than that. Okay, Oliver Perez for the Padres in two thousand four. Pirates, Pirates. Yep, it was the Pirates. Really? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, led the majors in K per nine. 298 ERA. Yeah, he was. He had a monster season. Yeah, 239 strikeouts that year. Uh, so those are the, my three favorites. I think Aaron Sanchez's 2016 for the Blue Jays is probably in as my number four guy. I'm also considering Jarrett Wright, his 2004 season with the Braves, which got him, which fooled the Yankees, certainly, and he was never any of any use for them. Uh, it's just like he had a 3.28 ERA that year, and all his oh. other seasons were like 4.50 or higher. He won 15 games for the Braves that year. So maybe Jarrett Wright, Joe Mays of the Twins, who I'm probably the only one who remembers this season. 2001, Joe Mays. He went 17 and 13 with a 3.16 ERA and 115 WHIP and 233 and two thirds innings. He was a fantasy stud that year and then just disappeared after that. So it would probably be between those six for me, and I think I'm probably going to leave out Jarrett. Eh, oh, I kind of want to leave out Aaron Sanchez. Look at Bedard's, pay, just look at Bedard's numbers. He, he was a good pitcher for a few years. I, I've got one that we forgot. It's kind of a Chris choice, Eric Bedard, I guess. Here, here's one that, uh, one, it's a good choice. And two, it's another one that if we include Jarrett Wright, we'll get two that will make the Yankees fans sad on the podcast. So I, I think we probably want to go with Jared Wright. And also Carl Pavano. His 2004, oh, yeah. uh, it was a, he finished sixth in Cy Young voting. It was his only season uh, with more than, I believe it's his only season with more than 100 innings and an ERA below 375. It is. Uh, and one of only two seasons where he even had an ERA below four. 
Uh, 3-0 ERA, got a huge contract with the Yankees, gigantic bust. I, I, I think Carl Pavano belongs in the conversation. The only thing and with Pavano... I will take, I, I take uh, Kyle Freeland in this as well. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Freeland I thought was like a, a shoe-in based Although, on that. man, nobody believed in that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Chris. Come on. I, I want to throw out, I don't think we can pick it uh, because he had... Other good seasons, but Ben Sheets 2004 was remarkable. Uh, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Historic. It was a utter, historic season for sure. Utter, utterly dominant. The problem was he had four seasons after that where he was good but not really healthy. So I don't know if we can count it, but man, that is that is definitely. And, and Mark Pryor's 2003. I, there was some disagreement when I suggested it, but if you really look at it, uh, it's the only season where he was even healthy, really. And he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was really, really good. Uh, 243 ERA, 211 innings, never threw more than 166 innings uh, otherwise. So, and a full run and a third lower than uh, his next best season. Yeah, yeah, those two sheets and prior, I think, are similar. Where they just had this one season where they looked like the best pitcher in the world, but then they had a couple of pretty good seasons where they weren't right. quite healthy. Um, I think Prior of, has a stronger case than Sheets. A couple I don't of, think Prior has a okay. Sorry, I so I think as we keep going, Loiza, Esteban Loiza is the slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Who else is a slam dunk? I, I would Perez. say. Oliver, okay, Oliver Perez. I would say Kyle Freeland. Yeah, I yeah. like Freeland. I like Aaron Sanchez, twenty sixteen, a lot as well. I like Joe Mays. I had not, I had no clue what that was, Scott. But you convinced me on Joe Mays for the Twins in two thousand one. And uh, another Twins guy who I just always love to bring up anytime I get the opportunity, uh, because it's the weirdest season in Major League Baseball history. Carlos Silva. I think it's his two thousand seven. Season 2005 season, 344 ERA for a guy who never had an ERA below 421. Uh, 203 innings pitched, 70, 71 strikeouts, nine walks <laughs> oh my God. in that season. But, we're, but, that but, is, but we're, we're trying to go with the slam dunks here, Chris. You're just wanted to highlight everybody. There, there, there's one more I really want to highlight, too. Even though he's not, I don't think he's going to make the team or anything. But Alfredo Simone... For yeah. the Reds uh, in 2014, yeah, he's a good 15 one. and 10 with a 3.44 ERA, 121 WHIP. Not many strikeouts, but if you're wondering how A. Eugenio Suarez is on the Reds right now, it's because the Tigers traded him, among other players, to get that Alfredo Simone season. Yikes! So it's just it's it's a notorious <laughs> example. All right, Man, so here, here the rotation I have so- is Esteban Loaiza, Oliver Perez, Kyle Freeland, Aaron Sanchez, Joe Mays. Joe Mays fits within the letter of the law, but I don't think it's in keeping with the spirit of what we're going for. Like Daisuke Matsuzaka's 2008, where had this horrible rookie season coming over the most hype, like the most hype pitcher we've ever seen come from Japan. Uh, Terrible rookie season, really, really good 2008, and was basically never useful again. That feels more in keeping with the spirit. Of what we're going for. Matsuzaka's good. How is that true? Like, everybody knows the name Daisuke Matsuzaka. Exactly. Few people know Joe Mays. I thought the spirit of what we're doing here is, hey, do you have a vague recollection of this guy 
or don't even remember him at all because it was before your time. Well, listen to these numbers he had versus here's this guy everybody knows, but he let everybody down. I mean, Dice K had a 290 ERA that year. He finished fourth in Cy Young voting. Chris, you've convinced a- me. We can eliminate one of Kyle Freeland or Aaron Sanchez. What do you think? Oh, we can't have Dice K in. Why do you get to decide here? I would I would take Joe Mays out. I mean, that, Over, Joe that Dice Over, K season was really Jared good. Wright? Are we leaving Jarrett Wright out? Yeah, Jared Wright's a good one, too. Wait, but We're trying I don't to remember understand. some guys. Daisuke Matsuzaka has more name recognition, so he's more eligible for this I list think, than Joe Mays. I think that's a, that is a name that when people I, I think know, of less eligible. the one season where you got fooled, especially, I think Daisuke is the one. I think after that season coming out of 2008, people were like, all right, Daisuke is here. The gyro ball's here, baby. He's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball for the next decade. We, we had and completely different awful. priorities here. By the way, he won 15 games the year before the year you're talking about. Right, but he had like 201 four. strikeouts. But didn't he have like a 480 RA? Yeah. He it, had was kinda, four, it was kind of like four, four Trevor, Trevor Bauer last yeah, year. That, it was As a rookie. So, so that's the thing. Like he, he was a rookie with a 4-4 ERA and 201 strikeouts in 2007. I honestly don't remember how that. I mean, it was a, it was a 108 ERA plus, so a little bit better than average. I have a feeling he was fairly hyped going into 2008. You know, like he had a he had a solid rookie year. All right, here's I, how I we're gonna do this. Joe Mays. This is what I've decided: Oliver Perez and Luiza locks. Each yeah. of you get one pick to round out the rotation. I will exclude myself. Scott, your pick is for Joe Mays or Jared Wright. Well, because I'm hopeful, Adam. Well, no, <laughs> Adam's Adam's gonna want to pick Freeland. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Joe Mays. Okay. Chris? Mark Pryor. <laughs> That's oh my the gosh. worst. That is the worst. No, pick. it's not. Actually, like, you, you turned Adam, him loose. Hold on, hold on. Adam. You gave him this freedom. Oh, hold on, Adam. Do your job and go to Mark Pryor's baseball reference page. I already did. He had a good, he, he was fine. He never, he never had another good season. He had other good seasons. His first year was good. I can tell you he was must start that year. What are you, okay, dude. In a 10 team league, he was must start. The thing is, like, Pryor had a 243 ERA in this 2003 season. That's the one you're using is like, oh, he was Mm -hmm. so good. He had a 351 career ERA. Yeah. Kyle Freeland has what, a What's his Mark career? Pryor, Mark Pryor had a 179 ERA plus in 2003. Yeah. I do not think we we are properly acknowledging how much better he was that year and that's how much and how he was still good and how much hype there was around him and how big of a disappointment the rest of his career was. It, okay, he had exercise. that's he what had, that's how I'm look, find the most Frank, disappointing prospect. Frank, Frank is the host. He gave me the oh, right to pick hold on. one. I have Mark to, Pryor I have is my choice. In. My my choice is locked in. It's bolded on the Google Doc. We're moving on. <laughs> I think that I I protest. I don't want to be part of this anymore. Well, Mark Pryor, I already filed a protest. Mike, Mark Pryor had a pretty good career. He had a 332 ERA, 243, 402, 367. Those were his first, first four time. seasons. Give me a that break. Is, that is the first time in history that someone has said Mark Pryor had a really good, a pretty good career. Because everybody thought He's he was going to be the, the best pitcher in baseball, but to to throw how many innings did he throw? Six hundred fifty-seven innings with a three fifty-one ERA from two thousand two to two thousand six. 
That's pretty good. The I, guy I think was. I mean, he has good yeah. career ratios. I mean, his career was short lived, but yeah, Chris, you're, 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 you're eliminating ERA over 600 the innings season pretty where good. he led the majors in K per nine. He led the majors in K per nine in 2005, two years after you're talking about. These other guys are stiffs. one hit wonder. Cool. These other yeah, guys are he's stiffs, a one, Mark man. Pryor's a one hit wonder. Yeah. Like a, a 351 ERA over 600 innings would be a pretty good career for a reliever. Not a starting pitcher, Adam. Okay, it, but the point is, he was a good pitcher while he pitched. The other guys weren't. They had that one the, season. Right, but, and, and, and that's fine. That is how you are deciding to define it. The way I am deciding to define it is Mark Pryor was, had this one shining moment where he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball and never got close to that level again. And Dominic Brown had two months where he was the best hitter in baseball and never got close to that I mean, at all, he, but it doesn't was, matter. He was, you Dominic changed Brown, your criteria. Hold on, Dominic Brown wasn't even the best hitter in baseball for those two months. He had like a 940 OPS. All let's, right, okay. let's Adam, calm down. Adam, who's your final pick? And for the record, I don't think Mark Pryor should be on the list. This is just awful. Too bad. Uh, you made the rules. You gave me the opportunity <laughs> to make that selection. I'm actually... I just feel bad for Scott because he's done such a good job with this and hasn't gotten his due. So I'm going to go with, with me yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I came up with most of the names. I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Jarrett Wright because like Kyle Freeland would have to have like five more bad seasons to even come close to Jarrett Wright, uh, basically. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Jarrett Wright. All right, Oliver Perez, Loiza, Joe Mays, Mark Pryor, Boo, Jarrett Wright, 2004. Relief pitchers. I'm just going to quickly turn this one over to Scott. Scott, it seems like you just kind of took this one by by the, I don't know what I'm saying here, but you took it. You took relief by pitchers. The, by the grapefruits. Right? By the, by yeah, the you, well, you the first by two the names out of my mouth, I think, turned out to be the right ones upon further research, and that was Derek Turnbow of the Brewers in 2005 and Jason Mott of the Cardinals in 2012. Turnbow and, and look, obviously relief pitchers, there's there's a lot of one-and-done closers, guys who had 30 homer seasons, but did the full line look like they were going to be like dominant knockout closers for a long time? And I think in the case of these two, it did. Turnbow uh, in 2005, 39 saves with a 174 ERA, 108 whip, about a strikeout per inning, which uh, doesn't sound great by today's standards, but in 2012, obviously the, the strikeout uh, situation was a little different. And then Jason Mott in 2012 for the Cardinals, 42 saves with a 275 ERA, 0.92 whip, 10.8 K per nine. And uh, they were both, that was that was their only year. Uh, well, actually, Turnbow followed up the 39th save season with a 24 save season in which he actually made the all-star team, but with a 687 ERA. Clearly not a good year for Derek Turnbow. So those would be my two choices. Jordan Walden would probably be third on my list for that 2011 season with the A's where he had over 30 saves, 32 saves with 10K per nine, 290 ADRA. But the walks were high. The whip was high. Uh, he never had more than three saves in any season otherwise. So it was clearly a one-hit wonder situation. But I think Tur Derek Turnbow and Jason Mott were the bigger fakeouts there. And so they're going to be, a, they're, they're leading up the list for me. Shout out to the Cardinals who consistently just found random relievers. Edward Mujica was another one that stood out for me in 2013. But yeah, Derek Turnbow, you brought up the name yesterday to me, Scott. I never heard of the guy, so that's a great one. Uh, Jason Mott, very early in my career, uh, my fantasy career, is someone who stood out. So the roster looks like this. Devin Mesoraco, 
Jesus Aguilar, Junior Spivey, Rich Aurelia, Chase Headley, Ryan Ludwig, Dom Brown, Gary Matthews, Oliver Perez, Esteban Loiza, Joe Mays, Mark Pryor, Jared Wright, Derek Turnbow, Jason Mott. So, Chris, when you write the story for this, who's the headshot you're using? Ooh, ooh, who's the poster ooh. child for this? Uh, probably Mark Pryor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nobody's clicking on this article. Um, I think it's Loiza. I think it's Loiza. I, I just want to give a shout-out to Byung-Hyun Kim. Uh, had several pretty good seasons, but that was the only one where he had more than 20 saves. Uh, I think it was his 2001 season. Um, and just 2002 season. And just one of the most delightful characters in Major League Baseball in the last 20 years. I, I love Byung-Hyun Kim. I will love Byung-Hyun Kim forever. Uh, he made 14 appearances with the Marlins and the announcers on the Marlins. Every single start, multiple times, would have to apologize to the audience at home for Byung Hun Kim cursing. <laughs> I realize we didn't we didn't put together utility. Does Bill Miller just get utility because we all kind of wanted him in? I I think it's Darren Erstad. Uh, I was going to go Miller, but um, I'm not sure whether Chris deserves to have another pick here or <laughs> wow. just the opposite. I didn't get any outfield picks, first of all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, do 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 it does he is he owed a makeup pick for the outfield, or does he not deserve to have any picks ever again because he forced Mark Pryor onto this team? I go with the latter. latter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Adam, what do you think? Darren Erstad or Bill Miller for a utility? I don't know. <laughs> a Ledmus, can I go with a Ledmus Diaz? Oh. Ledmus Diaz, that, not a bad one either. No. That's we should we should have mentioned him though. That's a good. I don't know that he should be the DH, but we should have mentioned him. He's a one hit wonder for sure. I'll take I'll take Bill Miller. Little batting title there. All right. I'll take Bill anything Miller. to keep Chris off the list. Like <laughs> he won a batting title hitting three twenty four. We're really going to criticize Darren Erstad because Ichiro hit like two points higher than him that year. Come on. No, was, because no, we're talking about one-hit wonders, and I think Bill Miller more accurately fits the description. Uh, they were both regulars for a long time. Darren Erstad is a huge historic season. I think this is. I think it's Darren Erstad. I'm, I'm surprised as hard as you campaigned for Mark Pryor that you didn't make that same campaign for Eric Bedard, who I think his one season, even though he had a couple decent seasons otherwise, his one standout season stands out even more relative to the others than Pryor's does. I don't know if that's true. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Sorry we didn't get to your questions today. We'll get to your questions tomorrow when you are watching the podcast live on our Facebook Fantasy Baseball Today group page. So watch us there, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We appreciate it. For Adam, Scott, Chris, I am Frank. Go home. Listen to No Rain. Listen to Stacy's mom. We appreciate Listen. it. Listen. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye-bye.